0: How you guys doing today? Nice. Yeah. Woo. All right. Uh, Well, hey, I am really excited to see you guys and hopefully talk to some of you after if I didn't get a chance today. We are on. This is it. This is the last message in the Kingdom series. Finito. I know. I know. Had a lot more planned, but I recognize that this would go on for like six months and. Um, We need to move forward. Uh, I think we'll come back um, because there's a lot more that I personally want to unpack for you guys. I was talking to, well, I guess I'd explain. So what is the Kingdom Series? Well, in case someone in the room or someone watching has no idea what that is, a hundred times in the Bible, uh, in the New Testament, Jesus or Paul or one of the apostles mentions the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, same thing. And so we tend to think that it's just sort of a code word for Christian, right? Hey, you kind of skip over it. I bet you did because I did for a long time. And then I started reading and understanding, man, he mentions that a lot. (laughs) And then I said, it's interesting to me that he mentions it so much, and I really don't pay attention to what he's saying about it because for some reason I internalize it to be like about my life, right, or what I'm supposed to do. Um, And today, particularly, you're going to see that I think there's a section here that we take to mean, I don't know, um, the do's and don'ts, and I think it means more than that and less. Ooh, mysterious. Did I get you? No? Intriguing? Alex, you're fidgeting, aren't you? I can always tell. She makes so much noise. Uh, Andy, just tell her to stop. She won't stop if you don't tell her. I'm telling you right now. And Zeke's not here to control her, so we're in trouble. Uh, (laughs) So... Ah, it's a joke. She does this all the time in youth. Um, But that's, that's the gist of the series, and today is the last one, and then we'll move on to some other stuff. But I was telling the worship team today, we do a little devotion every time, right after their practice now. And I'm going to butcher this, but there's a verse in Scripture that refers to the kingdom, and Jesus says, paraphrasing, he says, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God suffers violence, and violent men take it. It's like, what do you mean, Todd? You're going to go punch a bunch of people. No. But I think what it's saying is you have to make effort. Right? If you had to fight your way to get out of a fire, right? you had to fight your way to get to a loved one that's in danger, what would you do? What would you do for a million dollars? Right? You remember that show Fear Factor? You would do all the, no, way too old. Anyway, there's a show where you do scary things. Um, pretty much eat bugs. That's really all they did. <clears throat> and you would do these crazy things because the reward's worth it. And stay with me, particularly you long-term Christians, you guys just know everything. I've said it week after week. I can see it in your eyes now. You can't wait to get done. Then you get to go have a meal and fellowship because that's what you're really here for, friendship time. There's nothing wrong with that. I'd like a friend someday. And, but the thing is, you have to choose, you know, so many times you think my job is to entertain you, to keep your attention. And I believe it's your job to take hold of God's truth violently. Grab it. Hold it, right? Understand it. Make yourself get from it. Because even if I'm flawed and what I deliver to you is poor, and it could be, the ingredients that make this up aren't. So you can get something out of this, and if not, then we're about, what, two minutes in? I can offend you. You're being Selfish. You're being self-focused. Go to the circus if you want to be entertained. Right? That's the truth. So, we all do it. Zone out. You got you to fight. You know, Paul says, I beat my body in submission, into submission. Right? You can control that. Get something out of it. Well, I'm not a Christian. Why are you here then? You might as well get something from it. And I'm here because my mom, dad, or my uncle, or my girlfriend told me to come. Cool. You're already here again. You know they ain't going to let you take a nap, so you might as well pay attention. All right, get something out of it. So, do you guys know the story? Raise your hand if you know the story of Moses on Mount Sinai and the Ten Commandments. All right, at least I've heard of it. Yeah, it's a crazy story. Uh, Moses was a very interesting guy. We were just talking about this, I think, yesterday. Gabby and uh, I were talking about some, just Moses in general, how a lot of the people in the Old Testament... These saints, man, you guys wouldn't like them. A lot of them you'd kick out of the church. I'm just telling you, that's how it is today. But Moses was a hard-headed guy. Um, But I like to think he was passionate about God's word. That's what I tell myself when I sound angry. Um, So the story is he went, God calls his people, right? They're wondering, and God essentially... um, is resting on the top of a mountain and there's a storm and lightning and thunder and and there's a warning there and God says, right, he is so holy that if you go up there, you're going to die. That's the reality. Well, this is where you zone out because you know this. That's a good little lesson right there. We could stop the sermon. God is so holy that in our own sinful nature, if we were to just be in his presence, we would die. Right? That's crazy. So Moses goes up to meet God. The people don't want to like, hey, Moses, why don't you tell God, like, you be sort of the intermediary. We don't really want to deal with him. He seems scary. You know, you die. Right? So Moses go up. He spends a lot of time up there. He gets the Ten Commandments. He comes back down. And the people, in the short amount of time, I think it's funny in my mind because it's like a day, but it's probably much, I can't remember. It's much longer the first time. But he comes down, and they're worshiping a golden calf. Right, in the, Just think about this. Some of you in this room get upset when you clean the, clean the living room and you walk out and now there's a cup in it when you come back. You're like, I just cleaned this. Imagine this. God has moved and freed us. I was gone for what, two days, and now you're worshiping. It's a ridiculous picture, right? So he breaks them in anger. <gasps> right? He breaks these, these, these things. So after he deals with the sin and the issues there, he has to go back up. And say, hey, God, really sorry. Turns out the people were worshiping calf, had to take care of it. Uh, need those stone tablets again. And uh, ask for forgiveness, really, and God forgives them. And up this time he spends 40 days and nights up there with God. Isn't that crazy? Imagine that. Imagine being able to go into the presence of God wherever you want. You, you could even go 40 days if you wanted. Like if you had the Holy Spirit sealed within you and any time had access to the Father. Right. Would you spend an hour? you think you'd spend 40 days? Or would you, even, would you have a hard time spending uh, 30 minutes? I burned you. Anyway, me too. I burned me too. <laughs> so when he comes back down, though, something interesting happens. The, because he was in the presence of God, it says his face was glowing. Radiance. That's not symbolism, Mouse. You're not going to believe it. It was real. His face was literally glowing. Now, a lot of stuff happened between, but he ends up having to hide his face behind a veil because they were afraid. They were afraid of him. That just the, uh, the dust, right? Where I'm from, my neck of the woods, coal mining, Appalachia, let's go. And so he, just this dust, this aftershock, this, this echo left, this glow left from being in the presence of God, scared them. And so he covered his face with a veil. It doesn't tell us how long, but we know at some point it faded. It began to fade over time. Now some people will tell you based on a section in 2 Corinthians 3 that we're going to go to a little bit later, but they'll say, and I think this is interesting, it could be, We don't see it necessarily in scripture in the story of Moses. We see that he did it because they were afraid. But it also mentions the idea, kind of gives the implication. There's the the idea that, you know, did Moses keep it on not only at at first to stop them from being afraid, but also to stop them from seeing that the the glory had faded. I don't know. That's interesting. It would make sense, right? Your authority, you think your authority is is tied to this glow? I don't know. But regardless, they were afraid. They were frightened, listen, it began to fade very quickly, of even a temporary, a temporary view of the glory of God. Temporary. This, it's either all true or it isn't, right? You believe that? It's not a myth, it's facts. It has to be. Otherwise, what are you doing here listening to this? If you're a Christian, if you're not, stay tuned, pay attention. I've been thinking a lot about the idea... Uh, If you've been here in the Kingdom Series, you've heard me talk about the mirror of Christ. And you're like, what is he talking about? I don't have a mirror that says Jesus' name on it. Or like, you know, Buddy Jesus doing this on the back of it. Jesus merch? No. But it's the idea that Christ is the mirror by which we see the reality of ourselves. You know, when you look in a mirror, a good mirror, a clean mirror, you can't hide the imperfections, can you? You can't. Some of you don't even like looking in mirrors. I know that because you don't even like looking at your human imperfections. I do that, right? You can see every little thing in a mirror. It's odd. And and Christ is that to us. And so we don't like to look into the mirror of Christ. We don't like to look at the reflection that comes back at us in two ways. One, because we'll see our flaws. And two, because we see his perfection. And our flaws become that much bigger in light of his perfection. We hide our faces because we fear what we'll see. And we fear God because maybe he sees the same thing. And so we pretend we put not just veils on, we put masks on. You know, there's, there's people in this room even, I know it, watching at home. And some of us, you know, life is a series of things, isn't it? It's, you go through phases and you go through times where you're doing well and, and times you're not. That's just life. And sometimes you put on that mask in church. You know it and you can, you, you can talk the talk and you can walk the walk. And some people are self-righteous and they want the honor and the glory that comes from that. Okay? And those people are the ones that are scary because they may be relying on that. But then there's some that have the same thing. They look very indistinguishable from the religious elite, the pharisaical people, and they have this this view of self-righteousness and, you know, I don't struggle, and I have no issues and all that stuff, but it's for a different reason. It's because at the end of the day, they have to keep that up because the truth scares them. They have to hide beneath the idea that, look, look at what I do. Look at what I know. Look at what I know. You know, it's crazy when you talk to you you long-time Christians, I guess I can always say that, even though I might be a Christian longer than some of you now, it just doesn't feel that way, you know, being only 24 and being saved at 18, it's not that long. Uh, <laughs> the truth is that we we tend to, we tend to do that, we tend to, we hide, and the long-term Christians tend to, you you know, right? You know everything. You can't even talk Bible with you because all it becomes, men's group like at this church used to be like this sometimes. It still is. It's really frustrating. We have an awesome men's group. It's been really cool lately. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, guys? Yeah? Yeah. But sometimes it can turn into this thing where it's just who gets to be the best teacher. And it's so weird if you look at it from the outside because you'll see someone talks and brings something up and then the next person says, literally, they'll kind of, taught like you know Jesus is this to me and they'll go Jesus huh you know Jesus is the author of the new covenant and you're like what does that have to do with anything that guy said and it becomes this competition of who knows more for what purpose is it really for for me or is it for you when I say that to you and I'm trying to prove to you what I know is it really for you or is it so that I feel better about me Because somehow if I know enough, I don't know, maybe I'll believe that I am what I'm acting like. So we put these masks on. And what does that prevent us from seeing? Even if it's a veil, right? You kind of go from a veil or like this. You know, some of us might be like this. They kind of go, yeah, I I let you see that. You just can't see my big nose, Kaylee. So you can see everything else, all my other flaws, right? And then you might be this person. And then you go to the veil. i got pretty eyes. You can look at my eyes. <laughs> and then it goes to the mask. And then a bigger mask. Why? Well, part of it is, too, that that's what everyone does. So if you're the one that doesn't wear the mask, you're the weirdo. Or you are the sinner. Oh, man. Did you hear about Bob? He just came up and asked for prayer about his his drinking. I can't imagine having that kind of addiction. I'm going to go play uh, cornhole tomorrow again for the 10th time. All right? I don't know why. I'm not. <laughs> why does everyone always assume I'm taking a shot at an individual who likes cornhole? Other people like cornhole. All right? It's just a ridiculous analogy. Or TV. Or making that bread, Right? What, is this, what does the mask prevent us from seeing, though? Does the mask really help our hurt? Does it make the hurt go away? Does it make the insecurity go away? Does it make the flaws go away? Well, no, of course not. It's still under the mask. Sometimes it gets worse. You ever worn a mask? You get all nasty and gross. It's like, you know, sweats running down your face. Can you imagine if you wore a mask for a week? Didn't take it off. How gross your skin would be? I bet it would be gross. I've never done it. <laughs> Hey, that'd be a good way for, uh, what's the social media people, content creator? What is that called? No one? You guys are supposed to be hip and cool, and you, <laughs> I'm hipper than you. Anyway, YouTube, Instagram, right? That'd be one of those fun. Influencer, thank you. We've got one hipster here. An influencer, right? I'm going to wear a mask for a week and see what happens. That would be intriguing. I'd watch that. It'd be disgusting. But that'd be uncomfortable, too. So what does it do? Does it hurt, help our hurt? No. It help our flaws? Not. It actually probably makes them worse in that darkness and sweat and gross. Does it help our sin? Does it fool God? Does it help our shame? No, it doesn't. It's because it's just temporary. We, all, we know no matter if we wear it for a week, a day, a month, hey, this is where I get loud to wake you up and then I come back quiet again. Right? It doesn't matter how long you wear it, eventually we know the mask is going to come off. You're going to be buried in it? It's just temporarily temporary rarely fools those around us and certainly doesn't fool us we just pretend and so today and I'm in this right you want to grab this violently or you're going to fall asleep if you're going to fall asleep we got some comfortable couches out there just go lay down it won't distract me then right as we conclude this series I want to ask you guys this what is Jesus saying and Todd why'd you tell me this story about the veil I'll get to it it's you know I connected with the mirror stay with me When we include this this series on the kingdom, we need to see what Jesus is saying about this simple fact. Listen, this is very important. I'm serious. I'm serious. This is so crucial to you having more out of your faith, to those in this room, some of you who think you're saved and you're not. Because in order to be saved, you have to look in the mirror. You have to. You have to see it. You have to acknowledge it. You can't hide from it. Well, Todd, I'm saved. I did it initially. Did you? Maybe you did, but why do you have such a hard time now? You think in that moment, now now you get to tell everyone, ha, I'm perfect. Why won't people accept my mask? Why won't they accept my perfection mask? Because no one's perfect. And it's funny that even if your mask is good and I'm wearing one, I'm kind of mad that you're wearing one. Because I blame you for the reason I have to wear one. You have to understand this. In fact, I'm going to tell you this. I don't think I'm the first person to do this. In fact, I think it's the the truth of the word. I want to tell you today that some of the sections that we're going to read a lot. This is kind of you're ready for another analogy. I'm an analogy guy today. I told the worship team again because I was so excited, wasn't I, David? I almost preached it twice. He goes, yeah, you did, man. It's too long. So it's like skiing. I've never been skiing. But I assume when you ski, right, that you, we got the lodge on the other side, okay, and there's some cocoa there. It's going to be nice. Can't wait to get there. But on the way, we're going to see some stuff. We're going to go and, hey, look, that's really nice. There's that tree. There's that cool little mountaintop. I've, again, I've never skied. I don't know what you see. There's a snowman, Whatever. So we're going to do that through Scripture today. We're going to we're gonna, we're gonna read a lot, but we're going to kind of skim and surface the top because we have skimmed the top of the surface because I think it's going to connect, and you need to see it. Make sense? So, again, primarily you Christians, I'm one of them. We tend to, when there's big s- sections of Scripture, that is when we check out. <laughs> I've read the Bible, Todd. <laughs> right? This is the most important part. All right? So listen to me here. You guys know what was in the beat. Listen to me here. What was that? The Beatitudes, right? Talk about being poor in the spirit. Those that mourn will be comforted. Remember all that stuff that you've been around? That's a, There's a reason I believe that's number one. It sort of builds on itself, actually. See, Tim, I have a whole lot of stuff I wanted to go to, and then Luke ruined it, so I didn't decide to do it. Yeah, you did. You brought it up. I told you. Because um, then people are going to be like, you, you, you and Luke talked about it, and... You stole it from him. Anyway, I'm just kidding. Um, but after that section, we're friends, guys. I'm not just picking a random guy out. Um, right, Luke? Um, <laughs> it's interesting. So you get to the end of that section, the morning. The, and don't you lie. You've read that a billion times, and you're like, that's nice, without actually thinking what he's saying. I know I did, poor in spirit. Yeah, we sure are, Jesus. You're like, then you read it and go, they will not inherit the kingdom. keep What? How can you be comforted when you mourn? You want me to be sad all the time? Could I, you can turn to chapter 5 of Matthew, save you some time. We're going to be skimming through that. So then he comes at the bottom of that. He says this really encouraging thing. He says, listen, blessed are those who are persecuted, paraphrasing, for the faith, right? You're blessed because that's what they did to the prophets of God, the people that, that God God's people and the Jewish people there would have known what that meant, right? You are being persecuted like them because you were going to be close to God. And, and, and this is the part that gets me. So I read that. And then all of a sudden it starts going into this. Have you ever really noticed? Right after he says that, you got to understand. So he says this. And then he starts saying this stuff that in, this, in the big scheme of things doesn't really make a lot of sense. So he says you're going to be persecuted. Then he tells us he's, we're salt and light. Don't lose your salt and light. And we're kind of like, we get that part. That makes sense. Got to be salty still. I don't like salt. Got to be light, which that's good. And then all of a sudden, after that, he makes this strange statement out of nowhere. Are you with me still? I can never tell whether you guys are in because you're thinking or whether you're glazed over. Do you know what I'm saying? Are you with me? Thanks. That gets me excited. I just need it. I need some excitement. Who's my friendly face today? Hannah, it looks like it might be you. Uh, I tend to find one to two people. So if you're like, Todd seems to stare at me. Two things to encourage you. One, I'm not recognizing you, but I go friendly. Like this section, Kaylee. Kaylee's usually smiling. And then maybe someone over here, though today that doesn't seem to be the case. Um, Right? Uh, We find one, and you got to cling to that because you got a lot of these people. And then I love this one. And I'm like, yeah, they're leaving. How many times I'll go to the post-service meeting, like, how'd that guest be? Like, they won't come back. Right? So he says this section. It's very interesting. Starting in verse 17, <clears throat> Matthew 5, 17 and 18, he says, Don't assume that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. The law of the prophets capitalized. They're talking about the Torah, right, the, the, the law, the religion. Don't assume that I came to destroy the law of the prophets. I did not come to destroy but to fulfill Okay, well, how can you fulfill the law, Josh? That seems odd, doesn't it? All right. For I assure you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all things are accomplished. You ready? This is crazy. Hey, this this part, jump down to 20. For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never, never enter the kingdom of God. He just told you to be salt and light. Now you're telling me that unless I'm as holy and righteous as the best people in our faith, unless it's better than them, these are the people that we can't even go into the section of the temple they're allowed to go to, and you're telling me i got to surpass them? That's hopeless. Listen, you aren't as good as the best person you know. Isn't that odd? I'm telling you right now, unless you think it's you, we should talk after, right? (laughs) Because whoever that best person is, in, instinctively you know they're better than you. Morally, when I say who, who's the best person you owe, you're, it doesn't matter the standard by which you use. You've acknowledged that you are failing your own standard. That's deep, isn't it? Unless you surpass the best person you know, which probably will never happen. You're not going to get to enter in the kingdom of heaven. Hey, that's you too, Christian. Your mask is irrelevant. But what I don't understand, Todd, he said, you know, he's talking to us like we're with him. He says, you're, you're salt and light, and, you know, don't lose that. And then he, he tells us that blah, 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 you know, and all these good things. And he says, we're going to be blessed when we're persecuted. And now he's telling me that unless my holiness, my righteousness surpasses the best person I know, I'm not getting in. Wow. And before this, he makes this bold statement where he says, you think I came to get rid of the law? Listen, you think Jesus, Christian in the room, you think that your grace was to get rid of the law, was to get rid of the standard, was to enable you to sin? Is that what you think? And before you say it isn't, think of how you live your life. Do you really believe that? You do, right? That people think. It's been around from the beginning. Paul talks about antinomianism. I always get it wrong. It's the idea that I'll just sin all the more because I'm free to sin. Oh, man, you're in trouble. I'm going to say this to you. I could, I, I could say it to someone I know, all right? Bob, because people get offended. Fake guy, Bob. Bob, that seems so weird. Tim, right? Tim, the reality is you're supposed to meet the standards of the law. Still. Christian, you are to follow the law. The law is, there was a reason for it. You, you are to the standard by which the law is set, which is unrealistic for us, isn't it? It's impossible. It's impossible. That's still the standard. Maybe that's a better way to put it for you. Hey, you're supposed to dunk this basketball. If you dunk the basketball, you get to go on the kingdom of heaven. And then Jesus comes and says, hey, I'm with you, and you're with me now. Yeah, all right, I'll see you later. Dunk the basketball still, though. Remember, it doesn't change. Okay, does that make sense? We know this right here. Todd, what are you saying? It sounds like blasphemy. No, it isn't. I'm chosen by grace. Trust me, I get grace that's what our that's what our logo is here but you need to understand that the standard never changes and sometimes our misery is because we think it does when god's law is perfect and good and true and if we follow it it leads to life and sin leads to do you think that once you're a christian that sin stops leading to death <laughs> just you you're going to Todd what are you saying yes your eternity is secured but death on this earth Like, you're a Christian. If you put a gun in your mouth and pull the trigger, you're still going to die. The things that we do that God tells us to do and not do, we sit here and wonder, why am I unhealthy while you're drinking poison? Why is my faith dead when I don't eat ever? Moving on. i got to see. I get too excited. we got to keep going here. All right, so then he says that. That's kind of hopeless, right? Is anyone here better than the best person they know? Narcissism. No, I'm just kidding. No one. No one. Good. The narcissist in the room kept his hands like this. He's like, I'm not a narcissist, but I am the best. Anyway, verse 21. He goes on. You're like, okay, well, that's kind of, maybe the next thing coming is encouraging. You have heard that it was said to our ancestors, do not murder, and whoever murders will be subject to judgment. Stay there. Right? Will be subject to judgment. What do you think the judgment was? Yeah, they're going to kill you. (laughs) <laughs> right most you're gonna die all right move on but i tell you everyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment and whoever what's judgment again Ooh. but he's just this is just analogy right no and whoever says to his brother fool will be subject to the sanhedrin but whoever says you moron will be subject to hellfire I'm gonna tell you right now, 100% truth. I have called a person a moron before, even if they're not around, which is even worse. I'm, do you think I have? That's terrifying. In fact, did I ever tell you guys the story? This is an aside. I know we're, this is a weird story, so I, was, I didn't grow up a Christian. I'll never forget this. I am in computer class in my sophomore year. Not a Christian yet. Remember, Jesus to me is the guy on that picture that stares at you wherever you go. You know what I'm talking about. And he's got flowing hair. And it's also, for some reason, every Christian and their family drove an SUV. That's what it was to me. They had a nice SUV and had a house, you know, in the country, and they wore Abercrombie. Anyway. That's what I thought. So somebody, this, I don't want to say her name. Her name was Rachel. She, there's many Rachels out there. Oh, they've narrowed it down, though, if they go to my high school. Anyway, she, no, it wasn't Rachel. Lie, set you up. Sorry, Rachel. Liz was her name. True story. So Liz sits in there, and, and I, God bless her. Now I know what she's doing. She's trying to witness to me. I was like, why is this girl, like, trying to be my friend? She's probably hitting on me or something, right? She's probably trying to witness to me. But the thing she ended up doing, she had a temper. And she randomly, I would call people like, I was just a weird guy, like my friends even. I think I said, maybe I said moron, like, you moron, you know, those kinds of things. And she looks at me and goes, you know, the Bible says if you call someone a moron, you're going to hell. That's, I, and I just went, well, that's it for me. I mean, I I've, I've said that 12 times today. I'm serious. I'll never forget it because i kind of like, yeah, right. And then i was typing going, oh, my, you know, I'm going to hell. I'm, I'm, it's over. That's all she said. That, it was left right there. There's no hope. You say moron, you're going to hell. That's a true story. So anyway, but when you call people names, it's this heart thing. Do you believe that? Do you believe that, that to God calling someone a moron in your heart, like saying that out of a place is an abomination to him? That it offends his holiness? What about your spouse? Would that change right now if I said if you call your spouse whatever you call them? Your child? Your co-worker? Hellfire. Well, I don't know about you guys, a um, couple things. One, he just told me that if I'm angry, that, it, hey, I think I'm good, right? I haven't killed anyone. I'm not a murderer. That's what I would I know me. I'd be like, okay, I'm I might be in trouble here, but the murder one, I'm good. I have not killed anyone, right? Because I've already heard what he said before about the righteous and the Pharisees. I'm like, well, maybe I can get there, right? That's what you'll think. I might be able to get there. But the murder part, I'm good. I have not murdered anyone. And then he says, but if you've been angry with your brother, you've already murdered them, right? You know, that's essentially what he's saying. You've, your hatred is worthy of judgment, of hellfire. Do you believe that? If you sat for a second, it doesn't matter if you believe all this. If you sat for a second and and, and let's pretend that it was real, that that statement was true, that if you have been angry with someone, your brother, your sister, your wife, your mom, your dad, whatever, that you deserve judgment and, in fact, is one of a million things that would condemn you to an eternity of separation from God. That's not fair, Todd. Oh, on whose standard? I'm sure Hitler thought his standard of killing all the Jews wasn't wasn't bad either. Okay, this isn't good. All right, Are we in agreement here? Has anyone else been angry at someone in a a sinful way? Okay, the rest of you are literal liars. Um, (laughs) I'm just telling you. See, that's why the new people don't come back. But I'm just telling the truth. You're a liar. Um, Or you're tired and didn't hear me. We'll say it's that. Move on. Okay, well, we're coming to adultery. Listen, maybe, maybe I've been angry, maybe, but I have never, ever, ever slept with someone else's spouse, period. I am good. Oh boy. Verse 27. You have heard that it was said, I would have been the guy going, oh man, last time he said this, this was a setup. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, everyone who looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her. In his heart. This blew me away. It took you. This was only a couple years ago that I finally really realized what he was saying here. And by the way, women, it's the other way around, too. When you look, let's say, at pornography, let's make it real life, okay? When you're looking at that woman, that man, because, listen, ladies, you live under the shame that you're the only, you know, that no one struggles with it. That's a lie, Okay? When you're looking at that person in the dark alone, what you're truly saying is the only thing stopping me from doing this is getting caught. If you had a way to magically make that person appear with you in the bathroom, the car, at home, wherever it's at, you would 100% sleep with them. That's a fact. That if you had a power, an ability to do so, how many women would you have slept with, man? How many different ones? Ladies? That's the only thing stopping you. And that's true, isn't it? And, and so we start to see something here. We start to see, wait a minute, man. Like, God, you're telling me that, that I thought the action mattered, but now you're telling me that this thing inside of me that I can't even stop. I can't stop what my eyes do when I see a fine woman walking by, right? You can't stop that. That's the point. Done it once? Maybe you're good now. You lead a Bible study, you're a pastor, you're good. You don't lust anymore, right? One time is too many times. When the standard is God. So again, here I am. What was the judgment for adultery? Anyone know? Death. Was it a nice, easy death? No. Remember when he meets the adulteress, they're going to stone her. You imagine being hit with enough rocks that you die. You think they just stop when they stop moving? That'll turn that and make it a lot more gross, won't it? Like, it's not from here. I hit Tim a few times, he passes out. No, we come back and we take the rocks and we just continue to smash him into smithereens. Well, that's not good. If he didn't get you with the hate, got you with that. Okay, let's keep going. Verse 31 and 32. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife must give her a written notice of divorce. But I tell you, everyone who divorces his wife, except in a case of sexual immorality, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. (laughs) Some of you in this room right now feel condemned and ashamed. You do. And and I, I want you to hear me. Stick around. Okay? But we do have to look in the mirror. I know it's not pretty, and I know sometimes it brings shame, but that's the facts. In fact, we see in another section, you know, the different apostles, the writers of the Gospels, are talking about the same, the same things from their point of view. And one of them records this fact. He says, who would ever get married then? <laughs> and he says, this is hard teaching. Only those who have ears. Why did, why did Moses tell us that we could have the certificate? He said he did that because of your hard, ugly heart. But that's not the way it was from the beginning. I know it hurts, but we have to look at it. We jump down to 33. Jesus, this is the same one where he said, blessed are those. Again, you have heard that. Here it is again. At this point, whenever I hear him say, you have heard, I'm not happy. Okay? Again, you have heard that it was said to our ancestors. This one's interesting. You must not break an oath, but you must keep your oaths to the Lord but I tell you, don't take an oath at all, either by heaven because it is God's throne, right? but let your word yes be yes. This is interesting. This is verse 37, drop down. And your no be no. Anything more than this is from the evil one. I swear on my life. I promise you everything good. It doesn't have to make sense. I think it more has to do with, you know, why have you become so untrustworthy that you can't even just say yes and no? You See how? I we are so flawed and we have failed and broken lo- truths and lied to people and been so inconsistent that we can't even just say yes and no. This one strikes home for me, man. I always feel like people don't believe me, right, in my personal. I don't know where that comes from. Probably because there were times that I wasn't honest. Who am I trying to convince from the evil one? You know, and also the idea that maybe it's not even that you're a liar, but the fear of it, right, this I have to, I, I promise you, I must make you believe me because if you don't, what, my identity's crushed? Either way, it's very, very clear that it says it's from the evil one. Who do you think that is? Boba Fett? No. Huh? Darth Maul? Who is it? Satan. Satan. Yeah, the enemy. There is an enemy. You don't like talking about that. Me either. But it's true. All right. And then we'll drop down to verse 48. (laughs) Very straightforward. You ready for this one, Tim? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. That's a command. That's not a suggestion. That's not a if you can. And in fact, in this one, he's talking about the idea of love, which we talked about last week, right? You say love your friends. Everybody loves their friends. I tell you love your enemies. And you go, well, goodness gracious, I love it. Jesus is talking to those lies. Well, who who would ever do that? Nobody loves their enemies. And then he says, oh, this is how I want you to love. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Let me ask you a question. Are you as good as God? Okay, well, that's okay. To get to heaven, you have to be. To get into the kingdom, you have to be. You have to be as holy and perfect and righteous as God himself. Well, Todd, what do you mean? How is that? Well, he made you to be an image bearer. In order to bear his image in the beginning, you have to be the same, right? You have to be, you're not omnipotent. (laughs) That's not what we're saying, but your righteousness, your holiness, your goodness must be equivalent to God himself. Or you don't get in. But you're good now, right, Christian? We'll get to that. Matthew 6, 1. The last one, guys. I told you. We're skiing. We're almost to the lodge. You ready to get to the lodge? No? you asleep? Who's ready to get to the lodge? Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Someone's going to cut just that part. Anyway, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of people to be seen by them. Otherwise, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Well, you might say, I am not self-righteous. And I believe that. Guys, listen, we're not all, we don't all struggle with the same thing. Some people are going to be stronger in other areas. There may be some of you in here who don't. You're not really pretentious. You're not really arrogant. You're not self-righteous. But here's the thing. Has there ever been a time that you made sure to let everyone know how much you know? Has there been a time in men's group, women's group, church, when you said, oh, I know. How many times have you said this week when someone's trying to teach you something, oh, I know. Is that not self-righteousness? Is that not practicing your righteousness in front of people? You always think it's like the fake stuff, right? Isn't that fake? Because who are you claiming to be? I know. I know, I know, I know, I know. I am, I am. Small jump from I know to I am. That's God. Because, and he says if you've done that at all, have you ever done it? Because if you have, if you have done that one time, Will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Pew. Todd, this is hopeless. You're messing with me. I thought we we're chosen by grace and all that. We'll get to this. What's Jesus' point? I'm going to tell you the point right now. The point is what Peter said. I believe Peter in the, in the section in the, the gospel where he says, This is impossible. Remember that? He's talking about divorce. He comes up, This is impossible. This is impossible. What you're telling me. It's in this section that we know that at some point Peter comes to him and says, "This is impossible." And it's weird. This bracelet I got from this church well, actually says his answer. He says, "With man, it's impossible. But with God, nothing shall be impossible." <laughs> you get goosebumps with that I did. Then all of a sudden you start to put things together. He says, "You're, you, are a murderer. You cannot not murder. You cannot be angry. You cannot." You, you cannot prevent yourself from being lustful. You cannot do these things. That's impossible. It's impossible to go back in time, isn't it, and make up for what you've already done. That's impossible, isn't it? Yes? Who's a time traveler here? Just want to see if I catch you. Anyway, listen, it's impossible. That's the point of what Jesus is trying to tell us. It is impossible to meet the standard that is expected of us to get into the kingdom. It's impossible. It's impossible for you to be a good person. I don't care how much you know. The fact I've, I've found that the more you seem to claim to know, uh, the lower your character is. I've noticed that. Your self righteousness is high, but your humility and character is down here. Hey, if that hits you today, I don't know your name. That, that I didn't. I didn't call you out. God did. It's impossible, and you need to look in the mirror and see that. Well, I'm already saved. That's good. But we're going to talk about why it's still important to look in the mirror. Right here. We're at the lodge. Lodge. I should have called it the lodge. That would have been cool. Anyway, you would have remembered that. We're going to jump now to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And I'm going to be, but don't put it up yet, Zach. You're trying to rush me, I see you. Let me set this up. I'm just kidding. He's doing a great job. 2 Corinthians 3, 4, and 5, if you're putting it up in your Bible, it won't be up in a second. So Paul starts talking here, and this is very wordy. Trying to get your attention. Hey, listen, I, you need to pay attention here because this is very wordy. And if you do the Christian thing where you pretend, hey, listen, I'll talk for 40 more minutes. If you're trying to rush me through it, I will take my time. Stay with me because we got to get through this. But you have to pay attention because it's very wordy and you're going to get lost. I'm telling you, every time I read it, I do. And I go, okay, what is it saying here? 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul starts to tell us something here. And he's going to reference the story I told you at the beginning about Moses. Alright, so 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4 and 5. Let's go there. It says, We have this. Now I give you context. He's actually talking about his authority as an apostle, as a teacher. Okay? That he is this representative of the new covenant. Old covenant's the law. You have to be good enough, do all these things, and, and you'll be good enough to not be killed. You won't even be as holy as you should be, but you'll be good enough not to be killed. Okay? The new covenant comes along in Christ. Here we go. We have this kind of confidence toward God through Christ. It is not that we are competent in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves. But our competence is from God. I already told you, it's wordy. you got to pay attention with me. So what is he saying here? This is him, the Apostle Paul. The guy whose shadow could do things, Peter and him, they, they passed by. People get healed. God's hand was on them. They, he saw Jesus. He was taught by Jesus. He talked to Peter. He performed miracles. He set the new... He, you are here today because of the ministry of Paul. Unless any of you are Jews... And what this man is saying, this best of the best, the man that we would all, if he were here today, first off, a bunch of you would kick him out of the church. But assuming he stuck around long enough and performed miracles, you might believe him if the glory of God was showing on him for a while until it started to fade. But he, would, he is saying, I, I am not good enough to give you this message myself. I am not good enough to know this. I'm not good enough to live it. But I am telling you that any ability I have, that that my standing with God, my place, my standing comes from God. Todd, make it easier for me. If the apostle Paul himself says he wasn't good enough, but that his standing comes from God himself, his good, what does it say about you and me? What does it say? Remember about, let's put it together now. Paul did murder people. Paul was there when the first person that was ever killed for the faith was killed. In fact, you could read it as though he was the one in charge because they threw it at his feet. That's how God works, man. He just takes crazy stories, right? He killed that man. And now Paul's talking to us about that Christ that you killed that man over. Woo! Now this is the part. I'm going to lose you if you don't stay with me. I'll try to stop so we make sure we're on the same page. Go, jump down. Jump down to verse 7 Now if this ministry of death chiseled in letters on stones what do you think he's talking about the law the religion ooh listen to that what he calls it he calls it the ministry of death what who wants to go guys hey i got a new position for you who would like to serve on the ministry of death team you're a bunch of weirdos that raise your hand get i'm just kidding <laughs> right I, we do we should talk anyway, yeah no one would. Ministry of Death, well, I thought the law was good. Jesus said that. Stay with me. all right, so he says, if the ministry of death, chiseled and letters on stone, came with glory, okay, so it's a ministry of death yet you're saying it's it had glory, okay so so much so that the Israelites were not able to look directly at Moses' face because the glory of his face, he's saying they couldn't, it was so. Bright, on stone, on just rocks. The presence of God, though it was going to fade, was, uh, that came on rocks, on something that doesn't last, was so bright that the Israelites couldn't look at the glory that came from that moment. Even though it was, this part, a fading glory. This, imperf- this imperfect glory. We couldn't even look at that. We couldn't face it. All right, go on, verse 8. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? Let's pay attention, okay? Stone is of this place, right? We're in the shadowlands, right? We talk about this domain of darkness here, This things we can touch. If that has a glory that is hard to look at just because it came from God, how much more glorious is the ministry of the Holy Spirit? The new covenant. Written on your hearts. Verse 9. For if the ministry of condemnation. what's the, There we go. We have, it's called the ministry of death and the ministry of condemnation. For if the ministry of condemnation. Oh, Romans 8.1. There is no condemnation in Christ. But anyway. For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness overflows with even more glory. This was. Maybe this will be a way to put it. Hey. God touches this, this thing glows with his presence. Well, that's awesome, and we, we almost worship it. What is this magical thing? And people would come from the tabloids, and who knows? There would eventually literally be a religion called, like, follow the great podium. We know how we are as humans, right? They followed a calf. You don't think you're going to worship a podium? Anyway, that's that. How much more glory would it be if you saw a person transformed and inhabited by the Holy Spirit? That power that's just there as an echo now has permeated my every being, your every being. How, how glory, what is it, how much glory would that be? How glorious, I almost said (laughs) gloryful. How glorious would that be? Are you with me? Does this make sense? I told you guys a while back, one of the things I had to repent of and I'm trying to do is I'm no longer going to not tell you what I feel like I'm trying to teach you here. Because I used to think, and this is so arrogant, either one you didn 't care or two you wouldn't understand, and got bored, so i wouldn 't tell you what I thought so now it 's like man i 'm just leading you down this place we 'll see what happens, okay for all of us, so it 's either going to work or it isn't but so that 's why i 'm asking i don 't I want you to understand, and if you don 't do this and i 'll explain more it doesn 't matter if you're in the crowd, this is that important in fact, let 's go on, verse ten, what had been glorious is not glorious now. <laughs> What had been glorious, what was glorious? The stone, the law, the rules, the religion. But the mask? The veil? For, if the, for in fact, what had been glorious is not glorious now by comparison. Because of the glory that surpasses it. Listen, this light bulb... If we turn this entire place off and it's completely dark and that one light was on, it's going to look very bright. right? And if we stayed here for a year, we're going to be like, this is so great. There's never been anything brighter. And then you walk out on a bright, sunny day in the middle of summer. How does that compare? Nothing. That's what he's saying here. That sufficed until you were ready for the day. Verse 12. 11, thank you. (laughs) For if what was fading away was glorious... So, the thing that was only temporary, if that was glorious, what endures, what lasts, what's permanent will be even more glorious. I'm losing you. I told you. I can see it in your faces. But I'm really sad because you're going to miss something here. For what if what was fading away? Because the the climax is coming. You just got to stay with me here. For if what was fading away was glorious, what endures will be even more glorious. Do you have the Ten Commandments? Do you have them? Have anyone, anyone seen them, touched them? If I told you that I had the actual Ten Commandments that Moses brought down, right, if I had it, where were those stored? Where? Okay, you know what that was like? What was that made of? Huh? We're all like, I don't really remember, but it was expensive. Yeah, that's how they treated a piece of rock that God had just written on. How should we view human beings whose hearts have been written on? 12, therefore having such a hope, we, are, we use, <laughs> this is, I need this today. Therefore having such a hope, we use great boldness. Remember I told you earlier that if you'll take the mask off, even though it hurts at the beginning, you will, you'll see, you will be so bold and free. I mean that. Number, or number three, we are not like Moses. Right? He says, Therefore, having such hope, we, have, we use great boldness. We are not like Moses, who used to put a veil over his face so the Israelites could not stare at the end of what was fading away. He had to cover his face from this, this temporary thing. It frightened them so much, so he covered it. It was so glorious, so bright, so godlike, so holy, so good, so pure, so beautiful that they couldn't look at it. Why? Because in that light, their darkness is revealed. 14. But their minds were closed. Well, if you saw someone's face glowing, and I told you it was from God, and then you walked away, and I told you that God wanted you to change your life, and then you just walked away and started not listening to that, you would look crazy. But you would do it. We do it every day. You had a miracle if you were in this place and came to know Christ. There was a moment when you recognized the newness in you and you chose to walk back to the old. But their minds were closed. For to this day, at the reading of the old covenant, the same veil remains. It is not lifted because it is set aside only in Christ. You see, the Jews refused to accept the Messiah. They chose to worship. They chose to look at a piece of dead rock with a veil over it. They would rather have that over, that's what he's comparing here, their hearts. They couldn't understand. They wanted to hold on to a temporary fading glory that wasn't even glowing anymore instead of transferring it, trading it in for a a glory that never ends. That's so like us, isn't it? It's like that old saying, I don't remember the math here, but someone's like, do you want $100,000 or do you want $100 paid to you for, you know, 20 years each month what do you take and everybody's going to take the, the $100,000 ten. this is what they do because they don't think long term my mask suits me now so I will continue to play the religion game and as long as I keep it over you're not going to be able to see if there's glory there or not spirit right that's what I mean But their minds, go back to that please, sorry. But their minds are closed for this day at the reading of the old covenant. The same veil remains, it is not lifted because it's set aside only in Christ. The only way the fear goes away of the glory of God, right? The only way we can look at it, the only way that it can last is in Christ. In Christ, the veil's torn away. We are now seeing the glory of God. We don't have to fear it. Why? You ready? Verse 15 set aside only in Christ. Even to this day, whenever Moses has read a veil is over their heart. You've worn your mask so long that you would rather play religion than live a life in Christ. Because you're in control of the religion. You have to fully rely on him for the glory, right? Outside of religion. Keep going. 16. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. (laughs) Go on. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Hey, I told you you think you know everything. There is freedom. That's a promise. I want to be free, guys. What do I want to be free of? Insecurity, doubt, worry, fear, shame, condemnation, sin, I want, to be, I want freedom to have real relationships, to not think that everyone is going to hate me if the mask is gone. I want real community. I want to know there are people that love me, and I can love them just who I am, and they'll accept me. But in order to do that, in order to be free, something has to change. Verse 18. And here it is. We all, with unveiled faces, are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the Spirit. That's wordy. This is one of the most beautiful and life-altering sections of the Bible, in my opinion, in the New Testament. I'm telling you that because if you build on everything else, he's saying now I don't, we don't have to live in fear We don't have to hide. We throw away the veil. He sees us. We have looked into the mirror at Christ. And it says it here, doesn't it? It says, there's Christ looking back at us. When I see it, that's interesting. I see his reflection. But how am I going to know if I see his reflection unless I take off the mask? I'm so afraid I'm going to see my imperfection to see the glory that comes through Christ. And not only will I see him, this is crucial sanctification. You want to know what that is? This is it. Fancy word, isn't it? If you don't know what it means, it should be in in foundations. Anyway, being transformed into the same image, we look at the mirror, at the glory of the Lord. I look at Christ, and as I look at him, and when I look away, when I throw away my fear, when I look at the dirt and the muck, and I admit my need for him, remember it says when we turn to the Lord, when I turn to him and look in his mirror instead of my own, I don't see condemnation. I don't see shame, and I don't see death. What I see is Christ himself. And the most incredible thing is we get to see the reflection before I match it. Okay? Most of the time, we just said it earlier, the mirror reveals the truth. Remember me saying that? You see it now? The truth is when you've put your faith in Christ... That his reflection is your reflection. And just because you don't quite match it yet doesn't mean that you're not being transformed from this false glory into the new, the real, the eternal. Does that make sense? Let me make it, take it home for you and we'll close up. See, those that are impatient, I gave you hope that we're going to end. Listen. That buys me at least 15 more minutes. And I'm just kidding. (laughs) Listen, you're not fooling anyone. You're not. And the ones you're fooling want to be fooled because they're fooling you too. You're the guy who always knows everything, right? You're the know-it-all, and then you wonder why no one wants to be your friend. Why don't I have friends? You're the person that says, you're the guy that says, I, I just want, I want a good Christian girl. Why don't they want me? And, and you don't want to look in the mirror and see you haven't been living like a good Christian man. You see, because good Christian women want good Christian men. Vice versa. You can't admit that you made a mistake. You can't admit that you sin. It's, it's always funny. It's always a joke. It's always, uh, um, I'm working on it talked about that earlier too, right? Hey, you really hurt my feelings. Hey, I know I got a temper. I've been working on it. What are they saying? What are you saying when you say that? already know it. Imagine Christ coming to you and saying, hey, you're a sinner. You need to accept that so I can heal you. And you go, I've been working on it. I'm good. Do you want to be healed? I'm working on this leprosy. I'll get back to you. I've been working on it. Are you the person that thinks no one sees the state of your marriage because you play the game? Are you the person that says, well, I come to church and I give my tithe and I live in community, and how dare they? You've, you've become so embittered under your mask that you justify your sin by saying, at least I don't murder somebody. At least I don't commit adultery. Hmm. Why, well, you hate your spouse? You think he just meant brother? You're the the servant, you serve so well, but you do it to get recognized, don't you? And that's why you're so angry when they don't recognize you. You're the woman who literally can't be taught, poor guy, but I'll be honest ladies, in our modern culture because of feminism, I'm gonna be real with you, I've lost 20 people, you have been told that, hey, Men are always wrong, and so you're always right and just live in that. And the sad truth is it doesn't just hurt men. Men should still be men. How sad is that for you? To never grow. To never change. To never become better. You're the person that, that says, hey, man, I don't need to go to church. Church doesn't save me. That was me. I love Jesus, man, but I hate his church. Imagine my Conviction, I remember I was driving to Valparaiso, Indiana to see my buddy at college. I can tell you exactly, I'm 30. If you don't know where that is, anyway, it's okay. And as I was driving there, I was saying that out loud, judging the church. And God said, oh, you judge yourself then. You are part of it whether you say you are or not. You've become the thing you hate. Man. The mask doesn't save you. And the scary thing about the mask is, what's the difference between someone who wears a mask and knows Christ and someone who wears a mask and doesn't? The only person that's ever going to truly judge them is Christ. Do you want to see and wait and find out which one you are? Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name? Did I not teach Bible studies? Did I not serve on the worship team? Did I not go to church five times a year? The standard is perfection. And though the standard is met in Christ and there's rest in it, that's the good news. See, some of you in the room need, it's, you're not doing it out of self-righteousness. You're doing it out of fear and shame. And you say, you don't even have a mask on. You just don't look in the mirror and you say, I'm never allowed to look at it. I know what I am, God. I am the, the stepson, the stepdaughter. I am. I am the one that you don't really want inside your house, but thank you for just letting me. I'll just stay over here in the corner like a dog. And he says, no, look at me. You think I didn't see that spot right here? I knew it when I saved you. There is freedom in that. That's the testimony. The testimony isn't, hi, I accept Christ, now watch my fake religion. It is, look at me in my imperfections and see how my God moves even through this, for his power is made perfect in my weakness. The glory of a broken man or woman who's put their faith in Christ far exceeds the most religious person. And yet, some of you still play the game. And you wonder why your self esteem is down here because you're basing it on a mask. And you intrinsically know that. So, I got a list. I told you I went late. I'll run through the list fast. Take this Freedom in the Mirror. You have to look in the mirror. Number one, what do we take from this? We have to understand the standard and expectation of holiness in the kingdom. Hey, bottom line is, you think because you got transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom that now it's time to just chill. No. God said he's going to finish the good work he started in you. Would you like that to be a nice process in which you get to have some say in the things that you give up or you just want him to do it his way? Because he's going to do it. You have to understand. So what do I mean by that? Guys, the standard is perfect. Some of you Christians have been Christians so long, you forget you're a sinner by nature. You are. In your flesh, were it not for Christ. You have to understand, the standard doesn't change. The law is not destroyed. You're not free to do whatever you want. That's not what it is. You're free to follow him out of obedience, out of a spirit-led power, instead of out of fear of death. See the difference? I was talking to some friends recently. It's heartbreaking. There are people in this room today, close friends of mine, that they're only motivated to be better men of Christ through fear and the whip than they are the carrot. The carrot being, I want to be like Jesus. No, you just want me to threaten you, whether it's your position, whether it's your role, whether it's this, and that'll get you moving, right? Just a mask. Number two, we have failed the standard and continue to do so you can come up and get ready for your stuff. She's going to play some music later. We have failed the standard and continue to do so. Hey, you continue to fail the standard. If there are self-righteous person in here, if there's a Christian who has somehow confused their holiness and glory that they've received from the Spirit with their own, reality check. Have you been angry? Then you failed, sinfully angry, right, selfishly angry. We have failed the standard, and we continue to do so. If you're in the room and you don't know Christ, let me tell you something, you're not good enough. It doesn't matter if you're better than your buddy Benny. You know, Benny's a cokehead in the street. You're like, you know what, I'm better than Benny, man. I didn't steal anything this week. Cool. Benny's not the standard by which you are judged. Are you as good as Christ? We're never good enough on our own. Our glory fades on our own. You'll get, some, you'll get some glory from religion on this earth, but it will fade. It will not last eternally. eternally. Number three. Ooh, i got to move. The law, religion, is good and true. You know, religion gets a bad rap. God, if, it's, if it's God's way, his rules, his regulations, that is good. But it does not save us. And in fact, points out our sin and in doing so condemns us. That's deep. The law, if you want to say in this room, hey, you know what, Todd, I am good enough. I'm a religious person. I do the do's and don'ts. Awesome. Then understand this, Paul said, if you're going to choose to live your life judged by the law, then you will die by it. Did you hear that? Most of you, I don't think, are in that section, but it's important for us to remember. Number four, the Holy Spirit Which comes in the new covenant, not the stone, but the new covenant in Christ is permanent through Christ. It is a glory that never fades. That's such good news. Even when you, believers, when you choose to live under a mask, the glory is still there. The only one you're hurting is yourself. Okay? The Holy Spirit is permanent through Christ, glory never fades. So you want know, me to tell you something good? Let me tell you something else, that I am chosen by grace and why I will die on this hill. You cannot out-sin grace through Christ. You may make a mistake, you may do the big one, whether it's adultery or you steal or you cheat. And I, and I hope you don't, and you're going to face some consequences if you do. But let me tell you this, one of the consequences which you are not going to face is ever losing your position In the kingdom, through Christ, because you never purchased it. He did. And I will stand against that forever. I don't care if they want to call me what they want to call me. He takes grace too far. That's what I've been accused of. How far, how far is is the cross, does it go? It's permanent or it's not. And if it's not, we're all doomed. Never fades. Number five, got to keep moving. We have to be willing to face our reflection in its ugliness and admit our need for Christ. I'm going to talk to two people. Non-Christian, it's easy. You have to admit you're a sinner. You have to admit you're not good enough. You have to admit that the way you've been living life, no matter how many times you think you're doing it, isn't working. You have to see it and admit it. You have to understand that your good person doesn't measure up to Christ. That's what you have to do. You have to exchange glory for glory, right? The fading for the new. If you're a Christian in the room, you have to understand this. In order to become more like that reflection, which is the true you, you have got to admit the places that aren't like him. You have to. It doesn't matter if the church today, the modern church, punishes people. I've had people over and over say, well, if I do that, Todd, if I share this, someone shared something recently. They're going through a hard time, and they said, I'm scared that this is going to disqualify me from serving in ministry at this church. Are you kidding me? We'd all be disqualified. Someone's worthiness as a believer and to serve Christ is not at all dependent on their uh, sinlessness, it's dependent on the response to sin. Because that shows who a disciple is. Number six, man, I got to move. I know, Tim. I know. I didn't say time. Well, just now, we can choose to stand before God based on our own reflection or on Christ's reflection, your choice. But remember, no matter how clean that face is, unless it's as perfect as Jesus's, you will be judged. And the verdict will be guilty. It's another reason why like to let go of the religious facade, Christians and non-Christians, hey, you want to do it? You're a good person. You heard the standard? If you have went your whole life, you're not, and you have never lusted or been mad at someone selfishly, we gotta talk. Kind of, you know, I, I don't well, I don't believe you. That's a lie. I don't believe you. <laughs> but I still want to hear your, your excuses on how it's possible. Number seven, Christ forever changes our reflection. This is the good news. We don't need to hide behind the mask. <laughs> Even if you spent time hiding behind the mask, you know the beautiful thing? I'm telling you, as your brother, quit doing that. It's silly. Show your glory. Well, Todd, that's my imperfections. I don't, he doesn't see that, and honestly, most of the time, I don't see that. Your brothers and sisters don't see that. And the ones that do probably aren't your real brothers and sisters. Those are those goats that are going to be separated at the end. Why do we let the goats set the culture? If we allow them to tell us what we can and cannot confess, share, and show, then the church will never be what it was supposed to be. Everybody says they want it until that moment when you're asked to take the mask off. The beauty, guys, the freedom comes in. I don't have to wear this stupid, sweaty, ugly mask. I don't have to wear this veil, and I don't have to do this. Because my reflection is Christ. He doesn't look at you in anger and say, rip it off. How can he? I've cast your sin as far as the east is from the west. I will remember your sins no more. There is no condemnation in Christ. So then, now we come back to the image of the father, the father. Who would want their son or daughter to have to wear a mask their whole life? I certainly wouldn't want that for mine. Why do you think your father would want that for you? He thinks you're beautiful. He doesn't just think it, he knows it. It's not one of those times when it's an ugly baby and the dad has to say it. Just kidding. It's truth. Hey, I'm going to say this to you in the room right now. The one who's mad but you're only angry because your heart says, no, it's not true. God loves you. You are beautiful. All right? You have a glory. If you've put your faith in him, it doesn't matter how long you've ran away from him. He still sees his child. He still sees Christ. And if you're not in this room and you say, Todd, man, I get it, but my, my reflection is ugly, dude. I got blood on these hands. All right? so did Paul freedom comes in acknowledging that freedom comes you want to wash it off why do we look in a mirror and we wash our face you have to see in order to know what to get rid of Christ's call for you is the same as it was for the murderer Paul so even if you were in this place and you somehow murdered someone and I, mean, I mean this you've killed Do you know that you still have an offer and a choice and a chance at redemption and holiness and a new life and a glory that never fades? It doesn't have to make sense. And listen, it doesn't have to to make sense to the other Christians. You just read it, right? I think that's why Paul chose the many he chose. You know, if he would have chosen Pharisees, we would have always judged ourselves based on that, wouldn't we? We'd always be like, boy, I'm not as good as that guy. But he chose doubting fishermen and murderous priests and adulterous shepherd boys and fearful fake Egyptians. What can he do with you? What has he done? Let the world see the glory that God has done in you. The glory comes as it shines through that imperfection because it gives hope to the broken and hurting. It gives hope to those who also have imperfection, which is everyone. Are you afraid to look in the mirror? Do you you wear a mask to hide the truth? Listen, friends, please. Are you unwilling to admit your struggles, your sin, what's underneath the mask? Do you tell everyone that you see? Oh, I know, I see. I see. Instead of understanding and admitting that you struggle sometimes to see through the veil, don't you want someone to look at you and say, I see you and I love you for who you are? Even with that wart on your nose, even with this big old nose right here and these bushy eyebrows. Don't stare at them. (laughs) You have to look into the mirror, you have to see it. Ready? Pour in spirit. You have to acknowledge it, mourn. And then see past the mass to the reflection that's looking back in you. If you put your faith in Christ, then there comes the comfort. It doesn't matter, God, I know I failed, but I can still look with unveiled face and know that you're never gonna stop changing me. That I've already been changed. That I can be that that part of me holy part. We focus so much on the sinful parts, don't we? Do you know you have parts in you that are already clean? And those, those things, man, can you imagine what he'd do if he could get the other spots? If you're like me, maybe you'll let all the people wearing masks make you think this game is stupid. I agree. I hate it. It's fake. I'm hated by a lot of Christians. That's the truth. Well, I don't know if it's a lot, but it feels like a lot. I'm not religious enough for the religious Right? And I'm not liberal enough for the liberal. That's the truth, man. I'm not. That, you know, I've I've heard <laughs> that sometimes people think I say these things to, I don't know, connect with you. And I get it. Pastors do that. But I say this to you in all truth. I used to wear the mask, and then I realized when everyone left me, when I did the sins that everyone said weren't forgivable, when I stood in that darkness and the muck and the dirt and the broken, shattered remains of my mask, I had to ask myself a question. Is this real or is it not? And I recognize something from that day that I still struggle and put a veil on, but I know this, that, that nobody can take my glory because they didn't give it to me. And nobody can take my place and nobody can remove me from the kingdom. Nobody. Christ himself said in the Gospel of John, I will never let go of one of these ones you've given me. And in that brought this up several times as I closed this. I had a good friend say, Todd, how are you so bold? I don't really feel like I am. But it's funny. I didn't connect this. But my boldness comes from I've seen my reflection. I've seen the bad. And I see the good. And it comes from him. And so what do I, why can't I be bold? Because I'm not the one saying it. And if you hate me, now we get to go back to the beginning of chapter 5 that even though it hurts me I can say and rest every now and in the quiet when the Holy Spirit whispers hey they did it to my prophets too they did it to my people you're going to get five minutes that's probably it because I got to appease the people a little bit who are trying to get out of here some of them already bailed but take this time grab this truth violently life is more than you're living it has to be Christianity has to be more than an anity. (laughs) It has to be more than an ism. It has to be more than that. We added those names. He called it the way, (laughs) the truth, the life. People used to say, Todd, why do you, you struggle with Christians so much? I do. It's weird. You probably heard that. Christians, I guess in my mind, are the ones that think they're good enough. And he you said, you, just, you get along with like, why do you like non-Christians? You're supposed to know you by love for one another. I guess sometimes, not all of non-Christians, but I love the people who don't hide behind masks. I love those people. Because that's my people. That's who I am. I know how broken I am. And I, have, I took the courage of Christ to let me drop mine. They have the courage to do it now. But will you have the courage to look in the mirror and see Christ? So if you're in this room and you don't know Jesus, I think I already told you the gospel. But put simply, you were made to shine with a glory that never ends. You were made in the image of your Father. It doesn't matter if you acknowledge Him, you're His son or daughter, period. And the parts of you, the reason you don't follow, you could say it's church, and you could say it's this, and you could say it's that, and you could say I'm a good person. You don't do this because you don't want to drop the mask. You don't want to obey, and you don't want to let God be God and you not, period. But here's what I'm going to ask you today, and I mean this this gently but firmly. How's that working out for you? Are you a good God? I bet you're not. I bet life isn't what it's what you thought it would be. But your God, make it that way. No matter how hard you try, it just didn't quite turn out that way, does it? So you just run from thing to thing to distract you make life a little more bearable. Take it from a fellow, I don't know, non-Christian, bad guy. It doesn't last. And it doesn't work. But this stuff's real. So... Fact is, we're we're really bad on our own. We don't measure up. And because of that, we've condemned ourselves to death. Well, how could a good God send us to hell? You mean, how could a good God allow you to choose it? You want free will or you don't? It's not his fault that he says there's fire there. Don't go through that door, and you arrogantly do anyway. But you have an opportunity today to change all that. Jesus Christ was God-made man. He came down invaded the domain of darkness, this earth, this brokenness. He showed us the light. He showed us the rules of the kingdom. He showed us the standard. And then he showed us glimpses of it by healing people. It happened, right? By telling us the truth. He, he told us the standard. He told us the good news. And the good news is good. Why? Because it's attainable through him. You can be those things, not on your own. And that's what happened. On the cross, Christ took the judgment meant for you. Well, I'm not a bad person. The judgment of your anger, your adultery, your lust, your hate. He died for you, and on, three days later, he was raised from the dead. That's a fact. So how do you become a Christian? Well, put pretty simply, paraphrase you theologians out there, but it's a fact. Confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he was raised from the dead that he is who he said he was, and you'll be saved. Hey, I became saved at a way weirder thing than this, maybe. It wasn't even a church service. In the dark, I raised my hand, and a guy told me what I'm going to tell you now. You've heard it before, remnant folk. You don't have to be afraid. Do this today. Tomorrow's not promised. And if you're in the room and you've been hiding behind a mask, let it go. God loves you. He sees you. He's never going to give up on you. Whatever you do, don't leave the same as you came in, because if you do, you're choosing to.